1: Good afternoon and welcome. These are the most damning findings ever from an ethics commissioner against a sitting prime minister. Mario Dion's report on the SNC-Lavalin affair found Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in contravention of the Conflict of Interest Act for the second time, just two years after he had his knuckles wrapped for taking a Christmas vacation on an island in the Bahamas owned by the Aga Khan. Now, we all know the details of how the Prime Minister's office pressured then Attorney General Jody Wilson-Raybould to give the engineering giant a deferred prosecution agreement and how they continued to apply pressure long past the point where she told them it was inappropriate. But this report has new details on the incredible coziness between SNC, board members, executives, and the PMO. And it shows the prime minister as a cold, calculating political operator, distinctly different from his Sunny Ways persona. For his part, Justin Trudeau seems to be saying, Sorry, not sorry. He says he's taking full responsibility for his mistakes, but also that he's not about to apologize for what he calls standing up for Canadian jobs, communities and citizens. As you heard in Bob's news, he repeated this line today in Fredericton, and it's sure to be his go to election message on SNC. So what do you think? Does this rekindle the whole thing for you and other voters? Or uh, is it already over? And you know, it's come out. The election's not till October. Will we forget about it by then? Or will he be punished at the polls? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1- 866-744-740. We have a full house on this subject, starting in Ottawa with Lisa Wright, Deputy Leader of the Opposition. Hello, Lisa. Hi, Libby. I'm actually in Milton. I'm home. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. That's okay. I always prefer to be home. (laughs) Starting in Milton. So, first of all, uh, your reaction, uh, uh, Lisa, uh, Andrew Shear, the leader, has said uh, he's called for an RCMP investigation again. Is is that where you want this to go?
2: Well, I think it has to go somewhere, Libby. And, And basically, what we've heard from the Prime Minister is, well, yeah... I uh, I tried to get rid of this story and weasel out of it in the spring. guess it didn't work. You caught me, but I don't care. I mean, that's exactly what we're hearing from the prime minister today. Yep, you caught me, but so what? What are you going to do about it? So I guess what we ask for first and foremost is to have a, a proper vetting of it through an RCMP investigation, and they are looking at it because I think it's important to make sure that the obstruction of justice that was alluded to in this report isn't something that is actually actionable under the criminal code. There's going to be lots of opinions on it, but it makes sense that the
1: RCMP take a look at it. The NDP came out with an idea. The the idea is that anytime there's a criminal charge against a private company, they automatically can't do any kind of lobbying at any time. Is that something that makes sense to you? You know
2: what? Any good Bureaucrat, any good government official is going to know whether or not somebody that they're going to be meeting with has uh, has a criminal issue with respect to working with the government, like corruption and bribery. But I'll I'll point something out to you. I don't even know if that will work because SNC Lavalin actually had a restriction on their ability to do business with the government back in 2016 and 2015. And one of the first things that the Trudeau government did was to cut them a deal there and give them a waiver so that they could do business with them. So this 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 uh, footsie with SNC has been happening since the first day of office that uh, Justin Trudeau walked into the Prime Minister's office, and it's continued to to the crescendo of us actually getting an understanding of how bad it really is. Um,
1: one of the things that's actually new in this, because of course uh, I'm sure everybody followed the hearings where Jody Wilson-Raybould testified, uh, you know, in great detail. So so we know about the interventions and the fact that she basically told people to back off and they didn't. What What's new here is that suddenly we see the involvement of the former Treasury Board President, Scott Bryson, who uh, now incidentally is a vice chair at the Bank of Montreal. And the Bank of Montreal chairman is Robert Pritchard, who is reported as a legal counsel for SNC. We had Kevin Lynch, who used to be the clerk of the Privy Council, who's on the board. I mean, what do you do with all of this? Who, who isn't it? Um, From what I was reading today
2: in some of the the press, though, it's it's pretty insidious. And it it actually jogged my memory on why. Why would they go to such lengths for SNC-Lavalin? What is so special? And then, you know, I did a little Google search, and sure enough, it was reported in the spring that in April of 2016, the Prime Minister would have received a memo detailing the illegal contributions made by officials at SNC-Lavalin to the Liberal Party of Canada, and that all this money had to be returned. And about four months later, or right around that time, he's taking meetings with the head of SNC-Lavalin, and that's where they start discussing about how they can help them on this criminal charge. So the coziness, as I said, goes way back, and he never said no. The Prime Minister never said no. So Mr. Pritchard comes along. He doesn't say no. Mr. Lynch comes along. He doesn't say no. Scott Bryson's having meetings. And every single one of these meetings, Libby, it's not on the record. How many times did I read in the, in the ethics report yesterday, Trudeau report two, that this meeting happened, but it wasn't recorded. This meeting happened, but it wasn't reported to the lobbyist commissioner. So they knew they were doing something wrong, because if they didn't, then they would have disclosed all of these meetings and it would have been just as a matter of course. But instead, it's all cloak and dagger. And it culminates with the prime minister saying basically to Canadians, yeah, you got me, so
1: what? Um, How do you think that is going to go over? I mean, he is uh, cloaking it as, you know, he was trying to protect jobs and communities. and, And there certainly is no suggestion that he benefited in some kind of personal way.
2: Well, he said to Jody Wilson-Raybould that his motivation in helping was because of politics and the concern about losing seats in Quebec. And the people that he sent out to harass her as well, they said to her, you know, we need to win elections in order to affect the change that we want to do as the Liberal Party, so we have to do this to make sure that we win an election. This wasn't about jobs. This was about making sure that they were making... Um, SNC level happy in Quebec, and the motivation wasn't about whether or not there were jobs. Jobs never came up from the CEO. And if you look at the letter that the CEO sent to the Prime Minister way back in October of 2018, he doesn't mention jobs one single time. Not at all. It's not about jobs. This is the talking point that they've come up with in order to try to shield what really happened, which was doing favors for people who have made lots of donations to the Liberal Party over a long period of time, including ones that were illegal and had to be returned.
1: Now, uh, obviously, you are a woman in politics, with all that entails, including taking a lot of crap, frankly. (laughs) Uh, What do you think, I mean, there was also this effort to portray her, she's difficult, she's not a team player, and, you know, those are the kinds of things that are often said about strong women. Oh yeah, and and this is the part that um, kills me the most. You know, when the prime minister
2: got caught back in February that his staff were spreading rumors about Jody Wilson-Raybould that were not only uh, gender-based but also racist. Quite frankly, he he said, "Oh, this would never happen. I don't condone it. I'm offended by it." Let's fast forward to July when Justin Trudeau's lawyers send submissions to the ethics commissioner when basically he says she was incompetent. And the quote that I love the most was. Her her knowledge and her reasoning was infected by improper considerations. Infected. That's the word that they use to talk about the fact that she wouldn't put up with the 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 situation that the prime minister put her in.
1: Uh, What is your sense, I mean, I don't know, when you got to Milton, uh, since this happened, of of how your constituents are reacting to this?
2: So last night we were knocking on doors, and quite frankly, there wasn't much of a knowledge of it at all, because it's just very fresh and things are happening. This will be discussed at barbecues, it'll be discussed at workplaces. Um, There's so much information, and that's independent and unbiased from the ethics commissioner that just presents all the facts for Canadians to see that they're going to want to have a chat about it because do you really want to have a leader who's running your country
1: who says, oh yeah, you caught me, um, I don't care. Move along. Okay. Lisa Rait, Deputy Leader of the Opposition, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure, Libby. You sound like you've got a great show lined up. I'm looking forward to listening. Okay, great. Thank you. You bet. Okay, right now we are going to bring in a couple of other voices. We've got Peter McKay, who's a partner at Baker & McKenzie and former Conservative Minister of Justice and Attorney General, and Pat Gossage, Liberal Pat Gossage, who is the Chairman of Media Profile and former Press Secretary to the first, Prime Minister Trudeau. Welcome to you both.
3: Thank you. Good, morning. Good morning. Hello, Good morning. Libby.
1: Hi. Uh, <clears throat> let's start with Pat. Uh, so, Pat, what's the damage? Well, it's not the best day
4: I've ever had, that's for sure, and uh, I'm going to be uh, defending maybe the indefensible for with friends and so on for a while, I guess. Uh, I, 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 it's a problem for sure. <clears throat> I'm not sure it's going to swing the election. I'm not sure uh, Trudeau is a dead man walking at this point. I think it's, uh, we had a break, actually, in the fact that this report came out, you know, 60 days or whatever before the election and not a month before, which would have been really devastating. And I guess the question is, can the opposition sustain this line of criticism of Trudeau? You know, uh, Lisa's strong, there's no doubt about it, in fact she's so strong, and I hope she's still listening, that I would much prefer to not have her face, face her in a debate, and face Sheer. I mean, she'd be an incredible debater, <laughs> that's for sure. And I don't know about Sheer, and the, as Peter knows the debate counts for a lot. And Sheer, Sheer's performance on this has been okay, but I don't think he's quite grabbed grabbed the uh, the essence of this the way Lisa has. That's for sure. She's very good, <laughs> and uh, it's very hard to defend uh, Trudeau's actions. I must say. Um, <clears throat> um, I think I'll just leave it at that. It's hard; they're hard to defend. He's—he's he's not. He didn't come off great yesterday. I mean, to say that he's not apologizing for protecting Canadian jobs is—is is interesting. And the fact is that um, Lisa didn't say that, but uh, uh, you know, SNC-Lavalin threatened a lot of uh, threatened to break itself up actually if they didn't get the DNA. They were. There was really jobs. I think were at stake for sure. But anyway. That's another matter. It's very complicated, and I'd be anxious for Peter to talk about, you know, how deeply this resonates with the average Canadian. That's really the question.
1: Okay, Peter, talk about uh, that and other things. So, first of all, uh, Peter, uh, you've been in government. Were you surprised by how strong this report, uh, how strongly it, it condemned the Prime Minister?
3: A little bit, but more so by the timing, because it would appear the day before it was released, the Prime Minister wasn't expecting it, because he said that this Anne McClellan report wouldn't be released until after the ethics report, uh, and most people, I, I know I did, thought that meant until after the election. So here we have it, and as Lisa quite properly outlined, this is a scathing report that goes into significant detail, lays bare a lot of the facts and any dispute as to who was telling the truth at that parliamentary committee is uh, is now clearly uh, declaring Jody Wilson-Raybould as the the truth speaker, and all of the others who try to question and impugn her character and and uh, suggest that she experienced it differently are made out to be liars and therein lies the the real essence of all of this is uh... we are revisiting now a lot of the same subject matter around the prime minister's squishy ethics the things that have gone on his claims to have been a feminist uh... somebody who was going to help aboriginal people but ask jody wilson raybolt how she feels about his commitment to both of those subjects the problem of course for Canadians, is it raises cynicism to whole new levels, because when you see your, your Prime Minister standing before the cameras, as he did yesterday, accepting responsibilities, but in the same breath, saying, well, I kind of dispute some of the findings, I'm not really going to take responsibility, that flies in the face, uh, again, of promises of Uh, New accountability, transparency, openness with Canadians, doing things differently. Well, differently, I guess, in this case, means worse, less ethical. Well, less it's, accountable.
1: It's, it's, it's interesting. You know, the last time I heard a politician say, sorry, not sorry, it was Kathleen Wynne. It didn't work that well for her.
3: No, <laughs> no and I, I think that this is not going to go away. I think there there is more, certainly not just to be discussed, but potentially, as Lisa alluded to again, uh, an RCMP investigation could occur. Myself and other former attorney generals uh, called for that months ago, as did Andrew Scheer. And now that this report has been released, there may in fact be more impetus for that to happen. There should also be a, a look at the lobbyists, uh, the lobbies that uh, have occurred around this file. That is, again, uh, way outside, in my view, what, uh, what should and is permissible to happen around uh, government activities. And one final comment, this, this mantra of protecting jobs yes protecting the jobs of the prime minister and the government members that's what this was really about snc has not made the the case that they would lose jobs although they may very well now but the trouble with all of it is you can't say i'm willing to do anything go outside the law even and impugn the rule of law in our country, impugn the reputation of the country. We know the OECD and the World Bank are looking at this situation. And I suspect that in the the grand scheme of things, this is going to hurt the country further in terms of direct foreign investment. There are long-reaching, far-reaching implications for all of this. And so it shouldn't go away, and it shouldn't just be, you know, brushed aside the way the prime minister would like us to.
1: Uh, Patrick, you wanted to jump in here. Well, no, but
4: I mean, I I do recall, you know, um, I do recall SNC Lavalin making the case that if they couldn't get a DNA, you know, that they'd, the company would be broken up and everything. So, Peter, there, I, I, I I'm not trying to defend the prime minister for, for pumping up the job argument, but I think there was a job argument, and you know, we don't know his mind. He he probably believed there was a job argument. I, if it's just straight politics, I mean. Frankly, uh, who in Quebec, what average Quebec voter cares about the future of Lavalin, SNC-Lavalin, who have been nothing but an embarrassment to the province for, you know, a decade. So, you know, to
1: say the that... The line, I, I just want to interject you know, to there. that
4: No, but just yeah. to say that this is pure politics and that it's saving seats in Quebec, I don't think that's true. Uh, you know, I don't think the average Quebec voter gives a damn about Lavalin. It's an embarrassment to the province.
1: It, it's interesting you say that because the, you know, uh, Quebec Inc. and all of that, that's, that's the conventional wisdom that we have all received for a very long that's time. Right. Uh, do you have a view on that, Peter?
3: Well, I think the debarment could very well lead to a lo- loss of jobs because it would it would mean they couldn't do business in Canada for a period of time. But that's what the federal government, and, and as you know, Patrick, that means they can still do municipal contracts, provincial oh, contracts, and private sector work. So it's a bit of a, a you know a, a mixed bag in terms of what the actual impact would be. But they were certainly willing to go to enormous lengths to achieve this Deferred Prosecution Agreement, and I come back to the crux of this—interfering in the justice system. Everyone knows you don't call a judge. Well, you don't call a prosecutor either when they're in the midst of making a decision unless you're doing so as the lawyer for the company. And from a political office, you certainly don't reach down into the Department of Justice or the Attorney General's office and try to have the Director of Public Prosecutions, who is a arm's-length official, decidedly so, quasi-judicial, and have her decision overturned, Kathleen Roussel's decision. There was a moment in time in September where there was a blazing red line where everything should have stopped, everything should cease and desist in terms of pressure on the Attorney General and other officials, and it didn't. And that's where it, in my view, crosses a legal line and brings us into very dangerous territory. This is what you see in Venezuela and China and parts of the world where they don't have the rule of law. And and we're taking a reputational hit on this, to be sure.
1: Peter, when you were in office, uh, did you have similarly strong uh, lobbying efforts that you had to deflect?
3: Not at all. Not like this and and anyone that approached me was required by law because of the the changes that we made to the lobbying act to report it and i was of the view as a member of parliament and as a minister that i would rather hear directly from individuals representatives of the company than paid lobbyists but that was my own personal view
1: patrick well go ahead
4: well, I- the only the only thing I'd like to add to this because Peter's been around PMOs and I've certainly worked in them is that, and you know Trudeau Trudeau said I take full responsibility and then kind of contradicted himself. I agree, but I'm interested that he takes full responsibility because I know that his father hung hung out a couple of people uh, in my time and said he does not speak for me. And you know the fact is is that these were the lobbying effort. Was made by quite junior people in the PMO, except for, um, of course, Butts. Although, I think his lobbying was very, very restricted. He only spent about five minutes, apparently, talking to Jody about this uh, at a lunch, late in the game. So you know, it's all very well to say Trudeau's evil and uh, you know and acting, you know, acting totally improperly. But the fact is, is that the real, the real. pressure was put on by junior people, and I think Trudeau is guilty of really poor judgment in setting loose his people, you know. It would have never happened in my time in the PMO, nor would it have happened, I don't think, in Harper's time, because there was much more more strict control over people's relations with ministers. My God, I mean, it would have never happened under Jim Crutch. And, uh, I mean, that's kind of interesting in my view, that Trudeau showed this rather dereliction of duty in terms of watching what his people were doing. I mean, it's unbelievable to me. But and I you agree with that, right?
3: Well, Patrick, it, if I might, I, I certainly agree that, um, at least my experience with Prime Minister Harper, if there was ever an issue that he had with a minister, he would approach them directly, he would speak exactly. to them and, you know, at a cabinet meeting or have them come to the office. But I, I do take issue with this reference to Gerald Butts. He was in the thick of it. From the beginning and in regular contact with Jody Wilson-Raybould and he uttered those famous words that you'll recall that there was no solution that didn't involve interference and I think that was spoken to Jody Wilson-Raybould's chief of staff and he uttered also the words that were almost identical that the Prime Minister used as a deflection in the groping allegations and that was that the person experienced it differently Well, yes, of course you experience it differently, whether you're being the person pressured or touched or the person who's doing the inappropriate act. So sort of deflecting it to people around you or those in the office or people who are doing your bidding. I come back to the ethics commissioner's report, which says they were directly under the influence or the purview of the prime minister. Oh, yeah. There's there's no ability to say they were acting independently.
1: Okay. I've been talking to Peter McKay and Patrick Gossage, and now I would also like to bring in Duff Conacher, the co-founder of Democracy Watch. Hello, and thanks for joining us. My pleasure. What is your reaction to this?
5: Well, the Ethics Commissioner was right to find the Prime Minister guilty. Uh, Essentially, the ruling agrees with exactly what Democracy Watch set out in the complaint it filed last February about the situation, and uh, unfortunately though the Ethics commission was wrong to let the others in the PMO, the Prime Minister's office, off the hook, and other government officials. They all did the same thing Trudeau did, and they should all have been found guilty, and that's why Democracy Watch is considering a court challenge of that part of the Ethics Commissioner's ruling. Uh,
1: What do you think, I mean there doesn't seem to be uh, any particular big consequence to this,
5: No, well, politicians wrote this law for themselves, and unlike the laws that they've written and imposed on Canadians across the country in every sector of society, they decided, hey, no, we're all honorable people. We're here for the right reasons and to to serve the public, and we all have 100% integrity, so we don't need any disincentive for violating this law even though it's the most one of the most important laws for protecting our democracy so no need for penalties you know when people park their car illegally across the country you know rarely harms anything but you know they should pay fines but for us violating the most imp- one of the most important laws for protecting our democracy no no we shouldn't have any penalty except a ruling finding us guilty and that's part of what makes this law a sad joke it's full of loopholes the penalties are are zero and uh, the enforcement by the ethics commissioners in the past has been very weak and, and continues to have problems.
1: Peter McKay, should there be penalties?
3: I think there is uh, certainly room for lots of changes in the in the way that the ethics council, and I would extend it to other officers of parliament, the lobbying commissioner, others, the ability to uh, subpoena people, get papers, um, even look into people's emails at times during the course of these investigations, have greater skills. But yes, penalties as well. I'm concerned. They do about have the, the power to subpoena. Well, they don't exercise them in the way because clearly what the ethics commissioner said was that they didn't get full disclosure because of cabinet confidentiality and because of a refusal to waive privilege. So they didn't get all the evidence that they needed, perhaps to make some of the findings that, that Duff Conacher is referring to when it came to other people.
1: Uh, let but, me just interject here. One of the complaints of the ethics commissioner was this stalling. It took 49 days to deliver the first batch of documents and 108 days to deliver the second.
3: And we even sure, saw they, this they in a were, criminal case
5: they were involving
1: Admiral uh, uh, One at a time, day. please.
5: They were trying to push this past Election Day. I mean, of course they would want to because they actually admitted wrongdoing. Their, their last of the eight different spins that the prime minister and his, his uh, right-hand man, Gerald Butts, and Michael Wernick put on this, was that there was no inappropriate pressure on the attorney general. And as soon as they said that, they were admitting wrongdoing, because no pressure is allowed on the attorney general. There's no such thing as appropriate pressure. So, you know, they knew they were caught, and, and I wouldn't, wasn't at all surprised to see the delay, because they were hoping to push this all past election day.
3: I think that's right, and I also believe that uh, not to go too far afield or open up a whole other kettle of fish, but the same pattern of behavior was seen in the Admiral Norman trial, where they tried to obfuscate and hold off and and refuse to give certain information, blacking out all kinds of the the information that was disclosed. So, you know, back to the essence of do we need tougher ethics laws, do we need uh, new legislation? Yes, this, this demonstrates that fact.
1: Patrick Gossage, uh, they lucked out on the timing, I think. I think a lot of people were expecting this closer to the election. Uh, how do you think that factor will play into it?
4: Well, I mean, I think, you know, we're we're talking inside the bubble here. Uh, you know, we all know too much. Uh, Peter knows a lot. I know a lot because I've worked there. And Duff knows a lot because he, he put in. And by the way, Duff, way to go. Get, get those staffers because, as I said earlier, I think those bloody guys, deserve a lot of guilt in this, you know, because they, they took this to the limited end at the end of the rainbow, really. Um, but I really do think that in the end, uh, the public will judge. And if Sheer and the Lisa rates of the world can make this these arguments stick for 60 days before the election, uh, Trudeau's got trouble. I think the public's going to get pretty bored with this stuff pretty quickly. Uh, you know, there are no public hearings. There's just the opposition to carry the, to carry the, uh, carry the water on this. And Duff, Duff's, uh, little, Duff's, uh, intervention may make a difference. And, uh, I guess we could discuss the tightening up of the ethics rules. Um, you know, I think it's a bit of a joke that the fact is it's, it's just a slap in the wrist and there's no law being broken. And, you know, there's no, there's no, it's not like, case and you know and certainly they did have trouble getting the papers they needed so it sounds as as, uh, as Peter said a law made for politicians to make sure that politicians don't get hurt when they're found guilty so I mean we could discuss that but that ain't an election issue that's for sure
5: no but the RCMP investigation is oh I don't think and it's that's why happen. democracy we're calling you right on now, the please. RCMP to disclose publicly and explain if they decide not to prosecute Trudeau for obstruction of justice. The public well, has a right to know their position and the Crown prosecutor's position on that before Election Day.
4: Okay. Well, it ain't going to happen. I'll bet you right now. I'll bet you 100 bucks. <laughs>
1: okay. We can, we, can have, we can have the betting offline. Uh, Duff Conacher, thanks very much for joining us. We appreciate your time. My pleasure. Okay. All righty. Uh, so everybody else, uh, hang on, and I am going to take a very patient caller. Daryl in Toronto. Hi, Daryl. Hi, how are you doing? Fine, how are you?
6: Well, I'm doing okay. Um, there's there's one question about this that I have yet to hear the media ask or anybody answer, uh, and that was, I would ask Miss Rabel Wilson if someone else was sitting in her AG office, in her position, uh, of the same standards and ethics that she has if they could have come up with an alternate decision on whether to prosecute or go with the DNA.
1: Uh I'm sure they could have. I'm I'm going to put that to our panelists, but but uh first off I want to ask you, Daryl, is this going to affect the way you vote at all?
6: Uh actually not. Uh while ev- you know, while everyone's piling on with this, both media and conservatives and they talk about uh, you know, uh the interference and how this is all about to get votes for the election. To me, that's exactly what the conservatives are doing too. There's no difference. They're just looking to, you know, use this to get votes for the next election. And frankly, in my opinion, if we really had all the ethics and standards we're supposed to, and not be considering, you know, jobs and economy and greed in that sense, probably shut the
4: uh, tar sands
6: down completely.
1: Okay, Daryl. <laughs> thanks for that.
4: Uh, <laughs> That's a good one. That's a great, great, <laughs> that's a great intervention. Um, you know, and I mean, the fact is, I mean, Jody, of course, had the choice of, of yielding. And if she had, there would be no story. Uh, but she's a woman of, uh, of great integrity and was completely misjudged by Trudeau. And dug her heels in in a way that I think they never thought anybody would. So, you know, the, the caller absolutely right. I mean, it could have come out differently, but but they they didn't they didn't they sure as hell didn't uh, you know they didn't uh, judge the, the the tenacity of this woman properly. That's for sure.
3: I agree with Patrick, but I guess I, I'm going to give a former prosecutor's view and 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 something more technical with the legislation. So the deferred prosecution uh, legislation does allow for uh, obviously consideration by the director of public prosecution, who isn't the AG. They're an arm's length office that was something that our our government created that was intended to make it more independent and less likely to be influenced by government. And so, upon the decision to not grant SNC a deferred prosecution agreement or allow them to apply for it, the attorney general, then in this case Jody Wilson-Raybould, had a period of time to look at that and decide to accept the recommendation of the director, Kathleen Roussel, yeah. or overturn that decision. But by overturning it, she would have had to give reasons in the Canada Gazette and and therefore make a public declaration. And so I'm sure she considered that in, in her own calculus as to whether she was willing to take the reputational hit and, and defend what she knew was the wrong position. So that's a very technical type answer. But in response to Daryl's question, yes, it could have gone differently. But I think... For the reasons that Patrick has laid out, her integrity, her commitment to office, her respect for the rule of law said, no, stop, we're not doing this.
1: Okay, I would like to bring in one more voice from the NDP, Tracy Ramsey, who is also uh, the justice critic. Hello, Tracy. Good morning. Good afternoon. Afternoon now. Okay, Uh, so... What is your reaction to this? Your leader has proposed, you know, uh, banning any private company that's been charged from lobbying. Earlier, we heard that, you know, uh, any government official should know anyway uh, if uh, if a company is is under criminal investigation or has been charged and shouldn't lobby to begin with.
7: Yeah, I mean, this level of corruption where a corporation is going to a prime minister or a political party, the government in this case, and asking them to custom make legislation so they can get out of fraud uh, charges uh, is just simply unacceptable. And not only then that they're able to achieve this uh, through some type of, you know, Trojan horse omnibus bill, which is another thing that I think we really should look seriously at. Um, because it's not the first time that the liberals or previous conservatives would kind of tuck away these very serious things into large omnibus bills and, and not have a proper debate about them. Um, but then, you know, he puts this legislation in place on behalf of SNC and then turns around and lets it go through the process. Of course, they're the first ones to line up, uh, to access this new piece of legislation that they've essentially written, uh, and they're turned down. And so, you know, what ensues and what we heard from uh, Mr. Dion out of the report is a bombshell because it backs up everything that Jody Wilson-Raybould was saying. And I want to be clear that if it wasn't for my colleagues, uh, Charlie Angus and Nathan Cohen, writing and complaining to Mr. Dion, we wouldn't even have this revelation that we received yesterday that once again, the prime minister has broken the law. Uh, there are so many things inside of his report uh, that are deeply concerning to us. Uh, certainly, as I said, he backs up what Miss Wilson-Raybould had to say and, and vindicates her after she's been publicly smeared and, and mistreated, quite frankly, by a lot of her uh, former colleagues, including the Prime Minister. Um, but we know that, once again, the Liberals are dragging their feet in the investigation that he was doing, that they didn't provide all of the information, and he quite clearly states that they are looking to have the ability to do their job, which they don't feel that they have the ability to do, and it's not in the interest of, uh, you know, someone who's guilty of these things to allow them to see the light of day and essentially relieving it up to their discretion because the Prime Minister was able to, uh, you know, create this legislation, and he certainly is dictating what type of powers the Ethics Commissioner even has to hold him accountable. So oh. this is definitely a, a bombshell, and it really is uh, very disappointing for Canadians on the whole oh. to know that our government, that the Liberals, the Prime Minister, felt quite comfortable going and breaking the law by pressuring and trying to influence our attorney general. Well, that and is, so of now- course,
1: that is, of course, the big question is how disappointing voters will find that, um, and uh, uh, we're going to find that out, of course, in a matter of weeks. Uh, we're basically out of time on this, so uh, thirty seconds each to Patrick and Peter.
4: Well, the the, the public gets to decide, and uh, you know if this strange and complicated story you know can be kept alive for two months then you know we're going to have big problems on election day that's my feeling
1: and peter what are the chances that you are able to keep this alive well i think
3: there is no doubt there's going to be other issues that will be discussed most notably the economy and canada's place in the world and trade and Issues of law and order, but the, the underlying theme here of, of a lack of ethics and a lack of transparency and, and the mistreatment of a, an accomplished Aboriginal woman in his own government, I think this does weigh heavily on the minds of voters, particularly female voters. And so I, I think that it provides a very notorious backdrop for this government when they go back to the polls. It isn't going to be a, a sunny ways blowing smoke about all kinds of things that they're going to do. Now they have a record to defend. And part of that record is the corruption around the SNC-Lavalin case and how they've handled it and basically tried to now wiggle off the hook.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Peter McKay, partner at Baker & McKenzie, Patrick Gossage, chairman of media profile, former press secretary to the elder Prime Minister Trudeau, and Tracy Ramsey, the NDP justice critic. Thank you all.
0: Thank you. Thank
1: you, Libby. Bye and now.
0: Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.